Hello, hello, and welcome to Hospitality and the Infinite Game, a podcast series focused on answering one simple question. What type of hospitality industry do we actually want to create? In these episodes, Michael and David discuss big ideas that might set the foundation for a different model of success. A model which would allow us to piece together a bold new way forward, where our businesses can thrive whilst making a positive impact on people, communities and the planet. We make no claims to have all the answers, far from it in fact, but we hope these conversations might just get you thinking. We are learning and hopefully you'll learn with us. So join us. The game is afoot and it's an infinite one. And uh, we are now uh, back at our second conversation around hospitality and the uh, infinite game. And uh, in the first conversation, we tried just to set the, the, the scene a bit, the platform from where we are talking about. In principle, if you take it down in, in very simple terms, I always say, how do we actually move away from being very short-term focus to become more long-term focused. And we gave a couple of examples of that and how we saw that evolve. And, and in this conversation, we'll talk about a bit more, I will call it a bit more meaty conversation. And it's a donut economics. And, uh, you know, the first time I read that book, I was very confused because it's a, it's a very relevant book, but it's also a very complicated book because it's, it's science, you know, it's economic science yeah. in a way. <laughs> Um, but it actually, you know, it it it, it asks a very in, in important question around growth, and I think that's what we're gonna. We mentioned that a bit on the first conversation as well. So, so David, uh, would you set the scene for talking about the donut? I'll do my best. I've had a, a couple of cups of mint tea now to yeah. calm my mind, uh, rather than caffeine. So uh, let's see if uh, I can simplify <laughs> this complex uh, series of ideas that she comes with. I mean, it's based on the book, as you said. Donut Economics by Kate Rayworth, and uh, she's pretty amazing, actually, um, as an articulate communicator as much as anything, because if you read the book, it's quite dense but very readable, mm. and there's a lot of really interesting examples, and she manages to kind of knit together a lot of ideas. I think, essentially, if you've ever had any nagging doubts that the kind of financial market's obsession with growth and short-term shareholder value if you've ever had nagging doubts that that is not really the way forward and that can't be right then this is the the book that offers a, a foundation for, ha- for for how that is the case and kind of proves that as as such so it's it's really interesting because of the the things that she sets out to really blow apart the conventional economic theory of the last couple of hundred years and i think it is a seismic change um in, in that sense and offers a a way for us to look at these things in a different way to build a, a better better economy and a better planet as, as such. So I think it's, it is a fascinating book and really worth reflecting on um, to see what we, can, what we can do with it. But what, what is it about? How, how does it even get to what we want to talk about? Um, the core, there, there are seven, way, seven principles she sets, in there, sets out in there, really. She talks about seven ways to think like a 21st century economist. I don't think it's worth us going through each of those individual um, principles, but there are like I think four key areas that we can pull out that are, that are interesting and relevant. Yeah, I agree. Um, so th- the overall main goal um, of the book is to talk about this the, the diagram of the donut. Um, she talks about how we need to change the goal from moving away from 
an obsession with growth and more about an obsession with thriving. And I think that's a really interesting, subtle but important difference. Um, so instead of being obsessed about uh, endless GDP growth, you know, the, the graph with a line moving up from the bottom left to the, to the top right-hand corner, and we're always trying to be, be, be bigger than we were last year. It's a completely different way of thinking. So I'm going to try and describe the donut um, whilst you're listening to this. But the best thing to do, if you Google donut economics or go on Kate Rayworth's website, there are great diagrams there will explain it. But in simple terms, let's think about this. Um, so first of all, just imagine a large circle. This circle represents the outer limits or ecological ceiling beyond which our planet cannot sustain humanity. So there are different facets of that. There's climate change, ocean acidification, chemical pollution, etc. And we need to stay within the boundaries of that outer circle. But there's also an inner circle. So imagine a smaller circle within that, hence the donut, because it looks like a rather delicious donut. Um, that inner circle represents the social foundation for which humanity, gender equality, health, education, political voice, etc., cannot go below. And so her view is that everything we should be doing in terms of how we structure the economy is to keep humanity within that sweet spot above the social foundation and below the limits of our planet. And when you see the diagrams, it's really interesting because it makes a very clear visual break from your classic GDP growth graph, where it's just a linear, uh, a linear exercise. So that is the core thing. The core thing is we need to be more agnostic about growth and focus on this idea of, of thriving and creating a healthy economy. Yeah, and I, th I think I would like to add in there, and I think that uh, if you can also to to get a, there's a very fast version of, of this book. Go on, you know, TED Talks and and, mm. and Google, and you will see uh, see Kate talk about this in very simple terms. And and and, and, I, and she starts out with that she says that there's a problem we created by the linear growth is that we simplified economics. Yes, it was all about GDP growth. It was all about you know. Freeman's thinking around is the shareholders always have to win, and these ideas we bought into and actually just we just overdone it, and you know in a way you know had a massive impact on you know climate and so on and so on. It all comes from this you know obsession Definitely. with growth. Yeah. And she said so the old books, in a way, are not working. But he also say this is my version of it, and yeah. there's probably other versions. But we need to see things in the more complex matter in a way I think. exactly yeah it's, it is very much a response isn't it to the oversimplification and, yeah. and it, it, when you come back to hospitality what does that mean it, you start to see a different thing through a different lens so when you see you know Gordon Ramsay coming out and say he's going to you know, create a billion dollar restaurant empire and, and how he's going to do that over the next few years uh, my immediate question is uh, why what, what, how, why is that? That, that surely that's just business as usual old thinking what is the purpose of doing that that could be a great thing to do but the goal to grow is is surely at best should be neutral that that isn't the goal how is how is that thriving how is that making things better as we said in the last episode we we don't need more restaurants in the world we need better restaurants so how are you how are you going to do that how are you going to achieve it so th that really is the the core overall message of, of donor economics is to change the 
the the idea that we must pursue growth at all costs. I mean, you must know. I mean, you speak to CEOs all the time in hospitality businesses. A hospitality business, when a CEO comes in, normally their number one thing they're measured on is are they growing the business, right? Mm-hmm. Would you and, agree? And, and that's interesting, you know, because that's been the the role definition for for years. You know, how many sites can you open? How fast can you do that? Yeah. And there's been some, you know, incredible people that has delivered some incredible growth, you know. And but again, uh, you could ask the question: if was that healthy growth in a way? Was that, that yeah. the right thing to happen? And and, I, and I, my belief is that if you take the uh, the donut economy for 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 CEOs, which I'm mm. uh, quite interesting in, the role's gonna be as they in principle always should have been. It's about setting that purpose and direction for the business and mm. tell those stories so people getting in inspired to join them as customers and employees. Yeah. Then they need to set the right team, get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus, yeah. build culture, and that's their three roles. And there's nothing within their growth. Growth comes as you pursue your purpose, yeah. I don't think. And I think that's the interesting thing if you t- look at this again as a, from a CEO, Again, how again, as we talked about in the last episode, how can I contribute to this complex matter of social responsibility, environmentally, responsibility, economical responsibility? Yeah, which is there. Which is, is there which is right real. now and here. And of yeah. course, the sector is um, struggling and you're thinking about how you keep your business alive. And mm. that's very important because that's the, the cards you're dealt right now. Yeah. But again, how do you actually contribute more than that in the future? Yeah. It's a bit like I call the, the donut... Uh, model a bit like uh, sometimes I call it to to help people. It's a bit like the, the from from coaching. You have your your wheel of life, mm-hmm. and you have those areas that needs to be in balance. And that comes again into the donut model and the yeah. principles behind it. These things need to be in balance. They are not perfect, and you're not going to get everything perfect. But yeah. the more we work to get these things in balance, it better it will be and more fair it will be for everyone. Absolutely, and I, I say that. That idea when she talks about thriving versus growth, I think is really interesting because I think growth can be part of that. I mean, if you imagine, you know, I don't know, a tree, Let, let's take nature as an example because, you know, nature knows a lot more, <laughs> knows a lot more than us humans do. Mm. The idea of a, a tree that just tried to grow and grow and grow mm. without having a, a good root system, without, mm. you know, um, being nourished in the right way with nutrients, without um, having a relationship with the surrounding um, wildlife uh, in all of those sorts of things, it would be crazy because you would build this kind of hollow tree that would grow and grow. And then as soon as a storm comes along, it, it will be the tree that gets knocked over. And, and in businesses, we've we've seen that. I mean, every time something bad happens, and you know, boom and bust has always happened. Um, then it's the it's the hollow trees <laughs> that are getting knocked over um, that were built, you know, not to last effectively. And I think that's why it's really interesting the way that she digs into how that's come about and and all of the oversimplified thinking that that we've allowed to go along the way. Um, it, it is a fascinating book. And there are some other principles beyond the growth piece, which I think are really interesting to dig into as well. So one of the the, the principles she talks about is how there has a, been a myth that we've always thought that growth, as we would grow, everything will get evened up. All the inequality will get evened up. And actually, I mean, we can, we, we all know this. Actually, the, the more things grow, the more money there is in the economy. Actually, inequality is growing and growing and growing. The poor get poorer, the rich get richer. That is the way it goes. And, and actually, that just isn't the case. We, we need So therefore, we need to make sure we build our businesses 
with a duty to be aware of of evening up that inequality, which points us to, to really interesting businesses, maybe more on the social enterprise side. So you've mm. got um, people like Change Please Coffee and Social Bite, and you've got the Clink trying to take that inequality as part of their purpose and, gro- and growing that you know, as part of their mission. And I think that's a really interesting, um, really interesting angle to to put that purpose at the heart of what we're doing. Yeah, and I, I think I think also it's come back to you know the the, the growth element. I think we had, uh, something to touch upon there is actually this is about again asking yourself the questions within this, and especially around growth, because I, a question I, I I started asking myself probably five six years ago because I've also been on the journey of just scaling up a business and yeah. actually failed with it. Mm. We had a really strong culture. We had we understood why we were there. We were there to create amazing experiences around coffee or selling organic products. We want to make the world a better place. We want mm. people to eat better products. And suddenly we scaled very fast in this uh, cafe chain back in Denmark and we lost a bit of our ways mm. and that hurt in a way. So is the actually, um, we would actually have been financially better off being smaller mm. if you did the numbers. That's interesting. When you look back. So is there actually, is there actually the question is, is there actually an over- limit a limit to how big your business can become is the limitation could it be you know you as an individual or is there actually a purpose about being 50 or 20 mm. no that's not it's not a, a site number is actually you know how can you actually you sustain and have balance yeah that's the success and then you can grow within that if you think about danny meyer's empire how yeah. slowly that bill shake shack didn't come up overnight you no. know it started as a community project in new york and in uh, in 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 park that was you know a very dangerous place and he wanted to give some of these people a job but then of course he couldn't put a, a crap product out that'd be great and then that turned into what it is today one of the the biggest you know success yeah. story in after McDonald's I would say uh, from a growth point of view but it comes back to again that you know that you need to ask yourself that question when it comes to growth or anything in in donut economy. I think that how do you achieve that balance and and when what when is enough is enough? Mm. And you need actually almost to ask that question every time you take a growth decision. Is that a healthy growth decision we are taking? And when do we need to stop? When do we not have enough good people to actually do it? Exactly, and I think I mean even taking it back to to to, to my business. Um, you know, we're, we're hospitality designers trying to see what we can do to move hospitality design to more sustainability, sustainability and basing things on principles of a circular economy. Well, that is our mission. We are a small company of five people. We will be the size we need to be to deliver that mission. And that may mean we need to grow in the future or not. But I think the guiding principle is what do we need to do to, to deliver <laughs> deliver the mission and I think rather than well we should be a studio of 30 people because that would be a good design studio size well that's completely arbitrary why would you what, how, how can you pursue such a hollow goal there's nothing driving you to, towards doing that and mm. I think that's an interesting thing you touch on there is about how, how you drive that growth and make the decisions around that growth for the right reason because as we said before growth isn't bad Growth is a very natural thing. I mean, even at a deep human level, yeah. we're all trying to be more superior versions of ourselves every day. Yeah. Sometimes that could be driven in negative directions, sometimes more positive. But we're trying to improve. That, that growth is there, like like the tree that wants to grow. Um, but we need to look at 
the quality of that growth and, and whether that growth needs to be the 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 shiny expansion the, the the kind of the status symbol piece where we go oh, we've got 10 restaurants now we've got 20 restaurants now rather than just being better or better run or more profitable with it within the footprint you've got and then using those profits to do great things with your staff and your community um i think that's that's really interesting and, I, and that's why i like the idea that she points out so clearly how the current economic model we can't kid ourselves that growth naturally leads to um solving inequality because because it, it just it just doesn't it, she talks about this um I think it's a, a fictitious game called Sugarscape, where they look at how um, if you have you put people on this this board with different sugar cubes, and then you give them different qualities, like some are faster, some are smarter, whatever, and then you play out this scenario to see whether the wealth, i.e. the sugar cubes, get evenly distributed over time. Um, and what you find is, no matter what you do, actually the sugar cubes all coalesce towards different people based broadly on where they started on the board rather than their qualities. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why we have, you know, a duty to to look at that and be really honest about what that means. So it does lead you to think possibly about some businesses, like we said, like Change Please Coffee. I mean, you don't have to be a social enterprise at that end to, to, to do it, but we just can't ignore the fact that we need to look at you know where do you get employees from how do you choose them how do you screen them you know what are their backgrounds um how can we bring more people into the positive growth journey that you want to have um i think that's a really important thing um i guess that the other thing she talks about uh, the next principle which is interesting again is talking about how we need to create to regenerate and mm. this ties into the sustainability and the planet and she touches on circular economy in there but she effectively tries to dispel the myth that growth will clean it up again. Mm. Again, there's this, there's been this economic idea that as we grow and grow and grow and the more developed a country becomes, the, then we'll start to clear up the mess we made as we were going along. Um, and there's, as she goes through the details, I won't, I won't go through them, the examples here, but she just points out how that just hasn't happened. There's no evidence that we're actually doing it. And, and, you, and you can take a take a look at any David Attenborough documentary at the moment yeah, and yeah. you can see that there's a, there's enough evidence that, that that just isn't happening. So similarly to inequality, we need to be aware of how we create our businesses um, in the context of, of, of the planet and making sure we don't overstretch the planetary boundaries that are the outer circle of that of that piece, of that donut. And I think there's, there's something else that's very interesting um, being, a, you know, a citizen, a human being, seeing the, the pandemic unfold, uh, see how vulnerable, how quickly vulnerable we are when nature mm. plays back at us. Mother Earth have given us a kick up in the backside right now, a warning, I will call it. I think this is just a warning. This is not even bad. It could be much worse uh, what could come in the future if we don't change perspective and behaviors as well and mindset around but i think it's very interesting to see as the pandemic unfold i noticed in my own street that suddenly on a thursday we were out clapping for the people we should be clapping for every day the frontline employees in the health system that's working very hard but they've been squeezed and squeezed and squeezed so the balance about what we need from a health system when this kicked off was not there mm. they were not ready and when you know they had death you know mm. crazy death and you just mm. think about how, how can a health system be 
deteriorated that much because health must be the first thing we need to take care of and then education as well which is a, is a different challenge and I know I'm talking about things maybe there's a bit out of hand for hospitality to to solve but actually in a, in a way again if we can create healthy businesses that generate healthy you know, profit yeah, we th- can impact I that. think you make an interesting point it, it, w- it would be easy to, to stray into some just really macro yeah. conversations that, that are hard to relate to a hospitality business. Mm. But I think what we are trying to do with these with these podcasts here is is ask some of these questions, bring in some foundational knowledge from other, you know, much more intelligent people than ourselves yeah. and reflect on what that means. And, you know, donor economics is is an interesting theory and, you know, they are testing out in on city level in places like Amsterdam and yeah. it's gaining a lot of traction. But it's complex and difficult because it involves deep level systemic change mm. um, beyond most of which we can we can actually deal with on an individual person or organizational level but i think it for me you, i read that and thought I, yeah this is right i i can see this this t- taps into the, the the concerns i've had about some aspects of of, of capitalism and that, and that kind of singular pursuit of growth for a long time and articulates them in, in a in a way that i understand and encourages me to make sure we build our businesses in 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 the right way, and I know, um, you know Sweet Green was an example you, you yeah. gave as well, which I think would be interesting to run through. Yeah, so uh, yeah, for the that's probably the most people in, in the industry have heard about this unicorn company in the U.S., which is uh, they're on this mission of not just you know serving you know real food as they call it, but they actually think about the the impact on like a donut in a way. I think they they probably also have thought about these things from the outset when they set out they wanted to create a business that doesn't only took care of their, their people but also the communities they were part of and, and the planet in the, in the end. And they, because the way they make people eat in principle are more plant-based so therefore you have to touch on the planet but they also only not only trying to change eating behaviors because they're salad concepts so they sell salad as an outset but they're also trying to go back in the supply chain and actually also get involved in schools and farmers and trying to find out how they can help them getting better how do you actually get better food in schools which mm. is a big challenge uh, not only in the US but also here in Europe uh, having kids in in, in the public school as well uh, <laughs> it's something I really question if we if we have a job to do that but that's another conversation but what they do they they, do, they they go back to the farmers and they don't only say we want to buy your produce they actually try to make the farms more efficient by actually handing down technology to them actually pay them in advance so they can make sure that the 10 tons of carrots they have is actually gonna be sold at a price that's agreed mm. so they build these very close connections with schools, with farmers, uh, health organization, because they understand whatever they do in a community waves out and have impact. And I think they think a lot if they don't, I don't know if they use the donut, but I think the way when I look at them, they're very focused on that. And then you can say, well, is that good business? Well, they've just been evaluated at $1 billion. And they don't have problems raising money for this. No. And, and they're not... In, in the in the game of, of selling this business, these founders have been there from day one and they yeah. continue this journey of telling these stories and doing these amazing things. Um, but again, again, an example of, you know, in principle, a hospitality business that's doing change. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we should <laughs> we should highlight that we don't actually know the in, inner workings of that no, business. We're no. going on what we see, but we read, yeah. Yeah. but I think the um, the principles that you you outline in the examples all all are very compelling. Um, and I think that's 
It's about creating a business that thrives. And in that case, their ambition is big, so they're growing big. Yeah. Um, but you can apply that to any scale of business. And I think that's, you know, that's what's interesting about the whole thing. Coming back to growth, one of the interesting things I read one of their founders um, talked about, he said that we are now approaching 100 restaurants within our lifetime of you know 12 years. It's mm. an absolutely amazing accomplishment. But is that big enough? When mm. does it stop? And he, he was, when does it get to the point, the tipping point, mm. where we can't get culture mm. and the impact we have on our communities yeah. go hand in hand with the growth? So they're very aware about that. So actually, you know, I think the pandemic has set a pause on everyone. Yeah. But you, 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 you could definitely you could imagine them also asking now, what is our role in society when we go into the new paradigm, the new now, whatever you call it? And they're probably discussing that at board level instead about mm-hmm. you know they probably also talked about cash flow and all the things you need yeah, to yeah. talk about because they say they they are the tools to get to what they really want to do is change the world. Mm. And they have massive ambitions about climate change and so on again. So they're the one was one of the companies that has very big yeah. ambitions on this. Yeah, but I, I think yeah, I agree with you, David. That uh, there's some good principles in in that business, even though we don't don't know it from the inside yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but there's definitely a history of behavior. Yeah, no, exactly. That that kind of ties to that. So so yeah. So we, we've we've covered uh, changing the goal. We've covered um, the myth that um, inequality will be eradicated through growth we've covered the myth that um the environment will be regenerated through growth which mm-hmm. i think uh, so that's three um the last one that we looked at pulling out was um how she takes apart the the myth of rational economic man which is what most um economics has been built on for ages that we're all these individual selfish people that will make decisions to suit ourselves all the time um, which just doesn't play out um, in society, we are individually irrational human beings. We are emotional, and we have you know these old reptilian instincts in there. In some ways, I always think we're we're mammals with the curse of rational thought. <laughs> and, mm. and if you build an econ- um, you know, economic theory on the rational side of things, then we, anyone who spends time with another human being <laughs> or is in a relationship or has children knows that other people are not rational. We're all very irrational. And I think it's really important to think about that because so often when people are planning for growth or sitting in a boardroom thinking about how they're going to grow their customer base or make their plans, we default to thinking about the rational. Like, if we do this then X will happen. Uh, you know, If we do this, our customers will think Y. And so much of that is actually flawed thinking. And, and what I've become increasingly obsessed about is how do we create design? So obviously I specialize in design, so that, that, is, that my, my mind always comes back to that area. But you could think about it in terms of a general hospitality business. H- how do we create design that responds to what we understand about behavioral economics and behavioral science so there's some great books um predictably irrational by dan Ariely is worth reading um alchemy by rory sutherland the power of ideas that don't make sense is is a brilliant read with great examples uh but the whole idea is is to understand that we 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 do things that have power beyond the logical Mm. um and that there's an idea of signaling in everything we do. Every single decision we make um, gives off a signal to people. Um, and some of those won't be rational. So in alchemy, um, 
Rory Sutherland gives an example of a of a coffee shop that's um, near where he lives, um, and the, the previous two operators have both failed. And another guy comes in, um, and he's driving past one day, and the guy's doing pretty well. You know, he's been there three months, six months, trading pretty good. Um, he drives past, and he's like, I wonder what he's doing different. He's asking himself, I don't understand what's changed here. And he notices that he's invested in some kind of expensive patio furniture, you know, and it's all a bit heavy, and it's quite difficult for the guys to take it in every night, and it's got barriers and umbrellas, and it looks really impressive, but it's clearly, it's clearly not convenient for him at all. And his take is that that's actually the point. Because as a customer, you walk past and without really consciously thinking about it, you think, you kind of feel that, oh, well, he really cares about his, his furniture there and, and doing something beyond the basic, the functional. If he really cares about that, I bet his coffee's good. And, and I think that, that idea of signaling for me is really, is really powerful because you can start to understand that there are many logic-proof problems. There are, there are, there are hospitality businesses that do really well and we don't we didn't quite understand why you know he goes through the whole story about why red bull should never have been a never been a successful idea but it is because it it, it flips around many of the logical things that we think about you know I, i'm always fascinated by the question for example why is there a queue outside padella mm. you know, what have padella done special is it the product is it the location is it the signage what, what is it that they've done and i'm not sure of what the answer originally was but I'm quite sure that the answer now is that there is a queue outside Padella because there was a queue outside Padella yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's actually in, in understanding some of those logic-proof problems that we can, um, as an industry, just make better thriving businesses. So, yeah, her whole point around rational economic man, and we need to understand the irrational emotions that we all have as humans, um, is, a, is a really interesting point for me. I think also that leads me when you said that I was starting thinking about you know it's um, the situation right now we're in where um, it's challenging it's hard and we have been you know restricted in what we can do and I actually think that's maybe the opportunity to start actually applying some of the thinking because it's now it's so hard to do what you did do that's a you know that's the lazy kind of thing mm. you actually have to do the the effort now yeah and when you do the effort, the outcomes become like the coffee shop example. Yes. Uh, and I think that's when all greatness is born. There's also a book called one of them I love by my heart. I always talk about people should read. It's good to great. Mm-hmm. And if you look down the study of these businesses, they didn't do what was easy. They do did what was hard. Mm-hmm. And they put the time in and they understood we're never done. We don't know when we're done. We don't know when we achieved the goal but we will achieve it if we move forward every day and we go through the hard things. And again, there's sometimes hard situation can actually, you know, take you to a better place. It's like reinventing yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the opportunity is the reset button right now. And that's how I look at it, the, 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 the people I work with, the things I'm involved in myself. How can we use this to actually elevate us to get to a better t- place and actually, you know, get away from the thinking about you know that it's just about sales and growth it's actually about how can we actually start a business on some different levels even though it was very purpose driven how can we actually become even better how do we how are we better on the other side um but yeah it's a great example of sometimes you know what's also you know there's a saying that you know if it's hard it's worth doing it if it's too easy it's probably not worth it yeah definitely and i think when you you look at what motivates people to 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 invest any time and money with a brand, whether it's hospitality or retail or anything, 
I, I do think there is something as consumers and humans we want to reward somebody else's effort um you know we want to reward that they've done something more than than was the basic functional piece and when you see people i think this is why so many people can make mistakes when they look at value engineering a concept or an idea as it grows and we touched on this before how do you lose that magic well because you took away the things that were unnecessary in inverted commas because mm. you were trying to hone the model and streamline and make it more efficient but as a customer you know subconsciously we're all very smart people and if we've been into one or two before and we see you doing different things and then just over time it just just cuts back a little bit it just all adds up to this something that just feels a bit driven by self-interest rather than driven by something to create a great experience for the customer and, and i think we just we often lose that in scale so, so um, to, to to finish it off, David, um, this conversation because you know it's um, it's it's a complicated one, and we try to take something very complicated and give our best bet on it, and we probably get better understanding as Amsterdam is evolving. Yeah, their understanding of the model because I know restaurants in Amsterdam is involved, and yeah, the day we can travel again, I would love to to go over there and talk with some of those mm. restaurants involved in that. But what do you think? Like the, the top three things that hospitality should you know you know, think about what question should they ask themselves? What yeah. can they do? So, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I, I, it it's almost a, a foundational mindset reading this book for me. It, it's about understanding that we need to be citizens and that we are embedded in a more complex system than just starting a business or trying to grow a hospitality business. And once you look at it and understand that, then you're drawn into more longer-term complex thinking. And the book really highlights that you can't ignore inequality and sustainability and um, you can't just aim at this single metric of growth you know reality does not exist on a spreadsheet that that is not reality that is a simplified version so we can hold some stuff in our head and and make what we consider rational logical decisions but they've actually stripped the humanity out of those and i think donor economics for me forms a much more human-centered foundation for how we can create profitable, successful enterprises that are thriving and maybe growing. You know, she talks about being agnostic about growth. You know, mm. It could be growing, could be not, but it's not a positive or negative. It's a response to how well you're thriving. And I think that's really interesting. So that is kind of my takeout overall. Yeah, and I think I, I would uh, no, just add, I think it's important to, you know, as you sit in your management team, in your boardrooms, uh, and talking about the, because I'm sure there's people talking about, you know, saving the business is, is essential, but there's also people talking about what is um, what is next, you know, mm. how are we gonna survive, first of all, but also how are we gonna thrive, how are we gonna build that, reinvent ourselves? And I think the question about, again, is the, the healthy growth aspect. Uh, in the new now, how large do we need to be to make a profit, yeah. an impact on social, and an impact on uh, communities? So, so like a triple bottom line. And they need to start asking those questions now and because there's not a simple question and it's not the same for everyone. There's no no, no cookie-cutter model for this in a way. So yeah, that would be my, like, my final word on that. So that's the end for today. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that it sparked off an idea or two for you. 
We'll make sure to include any links and references in the show notes. But if you'd like to start a conversation, you can email michael at hospitalitymavericks.com or david at objectspaceplace.com. You can also find them roaming around on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect. Finally, if you're enjoying this series, please consider letting the world know by honoring us with a five-star rating or even giving us a review. Okay, goodbye for now. Catch you next time for more discussions on hospitality and the infinite game.